On this episode of the Naturist Living Show, Reader Comments, another song by the Naked Drummer and the Bailey's Road Band, and a discussion on non-landed clubs. This episode of the Naturist Living Show is brought to you by Bear Oaks Family Naturist Park. At Bear Oaks, we offer traditional naturist values in a modern setting. Free your body, free your mind. www.bearoaks.ca excited to get quite a few comments after the last show on why clothing optional isn't right. I was hoping to generate a fair bit of discussion out there, and I, to a certain extent it did, although mostly people seem to be in agreement, um, and so I didn't get a lot of people arguing with me. But we got quite a few comments, which I'd like to read and share with everybody. Um, I was also very excited. I got our first audio comment. Anybody can call the uh, voicemail at uh, area code 253 Three six nine nine three eight three, and record a message, and then I can play it on the air, and we can all hear everybody's comments. So, Sherry Alexander, who's very um, active online in a lot of groups, um, had her comment, and here it is now. Regarding clothing optional versus nudist, a couple who I have known for over twenty years are members at Jim Navita in Alabama. They are friends of my husband and mine. He would not be able to visit there without his wife, and she never disrobes, had it not been clothing optional. Uh, Jim Novita has been around for a very long time. I would much personally rather have the family unit than only half the unit or none at all. One lady I know took over 10 years to finally disrobe with her husband. Now she's the one who drags him to nudist events. We've known that couple personally and have gone out with them socially in the textile world. They've been friends for over 20 years as well. Another couple, she took five visits until she decided to keep a shirt on but unbuttoned it. They all remain nudist families. Had it been nude only, we'd have lost these people from our nudist community. Perhaps clothing optional does work better within a non-landed club, but one needs to be in the situation to decide for him or herself. Bye-bye. I was pleased to get Sherry's comment, and I I don't actually completely disagree with her. Um, I guess it depends on how you interpret what I said in in my show, uh, in the last show on why clothing optional isn't right. Um, At Bear Oaks, we are certainly tolerant of new people, and uh, if people need to take a while to get used to the environment, uh, even if that's just half of a spouse, we accept that, and we're fine with that. We just ask the people to be respectful um, of the community we're building, which is not a clothing optional community. So, you know, if they want to stay at their campsite until they're ready, or if they want to find a quiet corner on the lawns and and just sit and absorb and get used to it, it's fine. It's when people come and feel they can keep their clothes on and do everything that everybody else does that we take some exception. Um, and that others find it a little bit offensive because it almost seems like the person is uh, thinking they're, you know, that they don't, they're better or that things don't apply for them or that they don't understand. And people all wonder why they're there for, I mean, and it's a long story. I don't want to repeat the last show that I did. But 
there are people who will come several times and keep their clothes on. As long as they're respectful, that's not a problem. As long as uh, they, they, they realize where they are and they, they keep to themselves and they don't, they don't throw it back in our faces that uh, they're not able to do what we're able to do or they don't think that they want to do, uh, that's perfectly acceptable. We, we do have to be patient. There are clubs I've visited where they force people to take their clothes off immediately or leave, and we don't do that. We understand that new people need some take some time, uh, and sometimes it's half of a party. Um, but if they expect that they should be able to do all activities, then no, I don't agree. And uh, for the reason I stated in the last show, um, sometimes not being clothing optional can actually make it easier for those people. They have a reason to be pushed. Otherwise, they could wait forever. They could delay forever the decision to participate. We had quite a few email comments as well, and I'd like to read a few of them. Um, of course, I, I like this one from Dan, who's very supportive. He said, thank you, thank you, thank you. The whole time I was listening to this podcast, I was saying, finally, someone gets it. Keep up the good work and getting the true naturist message out. This is so important. Bless you, Dan. Well, thank you, Dan. I, I, I very much appreciate the supportive comments. Also, Bob wrote us the following comment. This last podcast was, I think, the best of the series so far. He's, of course, referring to the one about why clothing optional doesn't work. It certainly kindled a discussion among the nudist bloggers, and that is a conversation we need to have. Stefan makes the case simply and with logic. We prefer people to be nude if we go to a nudist club, and for the most part, that is what we find. We have never been to any of the larger resorts. Bill wrote a long comment, um, and I'm going to read it all because it's actually quite interesting. Uh, he says, I would like to say that I enjoy the podcasts. I also enjoy visiting Bear Oaks. Perhaps you could move it closer to Ottawa, uh, because he lives in Ottawa. Everyone has his or her own story regarding nudism, and I am no exception. The theme is often the same, and often related to the way we were raised. My parents did not have bodies, simple as that. If they did, I would have seen it some, sometime, but I never did. We did not even take our shoes off at home. As a child, I would take my clothes off in bed, scared silly my mother would find out. I was convinced I had to be a pervert or something, but it felt strangely comfortable. I have always and still do love people watching, not in a voyeuristic sense, but more in the sense as one enjoys to look at flowers. Some are beautiful, others do not fit that bill according to common standards, but they all are part of nature and have a beauty in their own right, as well as the undisputed right to be who, what, and where they are. People are not much different. I love the term naturist. I think it fits well. My family and I love nature. My daughter has made it her career. Unfortunately, I discovered naturism too late in my life. And although my wife and kids accept my newfound lifestyle, they do not share it with the same enthusiasm. My wife accompanies me to Bear Oaks, and the kids are comfortable enough to strip in our hot tub. No wet clothes to mess with. But without the boy or girlfriends. Not bad, though. There is potential. I do agree, by the way, with a no-clothing-optional policy at Bear Oaks for many of the reasons mentioned in your blog. I would like to close with a little experience I think exemplifies a naturist attitude. I was leading a ride with my bike club on Sunday when we happened to pass a house where a lady was working in her garden. She was at least 300 pounds and wore a small gray bikini. I have to admit the combination was not the award-winning kind, 
but I internally cheered her for being comfortable enough to wear it in a public view. Anything less would have been illegal. The consensus of the group, who of course all saw it, was that there ought to be a law created quickly to prevent this sort of thing from happening. I asked what if she had been a voluptuous young blonde. Well, of course, that would have been a whole other matter. I am of the strong belief that both would have made me happy, seeing people comfortable with who they are and what they are. That is true beauty. Well, Bill, that's a fantastic comment. And, and, and it's interesting because Bill says his wife does not share um, his passion for naturism, but she enjoys coming to Bear Oaks. And uh, I'm not sure from reading the message whether she just hangs out at the campsite or whether she actually does participate. But as we were saying earlier to Sherry's comment, we do tolerate that situation as long as people are respectful of, of where we are. Another very long comment came from Michael. Michael says, Stefan, read your recent podcast. Interesting that Bear Oak requires its office staff to be nude. In Florida, the only resort that I'm aware of that has the same requirement is Sunsport Gardens. Morley Schloss, principal owner, agrees with your philosophy and feels it, it doesn't set the right welcoming tone when you show up at a nudist resort and find everyone in the office is dressed. On the other hand, a few of the larger resorts here seem to have a mandatory dress policy for staff. Sixty years ago, there were nudist resorts owned by nudists who were driven by naturist philosophy, wanted a place they could practice it, and were usually happy if they broke even. Membership grew by word of mouth, naturism remained a very isolated subculture, and that subculture had no place for provocative dress, or usually for any dress at all. Of course, there were those nude beauty contests that are a passe today. In those 60 years, nudity has infiltrated the general U.S. culture, but of course in a very unnaturist way. A number of years ago, I showed a picture of Hallover Beach to a business associate, then about 27. After looking at the picture for a few seconds, he suddenly blurted out, The guys are naked too! True story, a very telling comment. Now we have nude recreation, nude cruises, clothing optional luxury resorts, etc. Sometimes these new nude recreation offerings seem to be marketed less to traditional naturists then to those interested in a thrill, and even to swingers, and veer into a very non-naturist, sexually suggestive, adult-only atmosphere. Many of the financial backers here are not even nudists, and couldn't care less about naturist principles. And, when a traditional nudist resort is sold, there is always the danger that the new owners will be that much removed from traditional naturist orientation. My friend's band had a nighttime gig at one of the new luxury nudist resorts a few years ago, and I was actually afraid to get undressed there. Virtually everyone was wearing frilly clo club clothes. I probably stood out because I was wearing khaki shorts and a t-shirt rather than black gauze shorts, a tuxedo vest, and a black bow tie. This particular resort was then advertised as nudist, but now advertises as clothing optional. Host parties like this month's nothing but net party and naughty summer camp and has dropped its naturist organization affiliations. Not all residents who had bought home there before the change in atmosphere are happy with a new orientation. However, one of the largest and most popular resorts in Florida, Cypress Cove, manages to remain very successful by keeping to a more traditional naturist environment. 
Notably, the current manager represents the third generation of the nudist family owners. At a nude art exhibition they held a few years ago, all 100 hotel rooms were booked. They promoted the event, waived the ground fees for the weekend, and signed up a few new members. This shows you can still market for new members without resorting to some of the more sensational techniques I've seen in a few resorts, like lingerie dances. I live at Lake Como, and what is curious is that though Como prides itself on being a nudist rather than a clothing-optional facility, the office is clothing-optional in that only one or two of the office staff work nude, while most of them like to wear clothes. It's a little weird. With the guys, often shirtless, but wearing shorts, the usual comment is, I need some place to keep my keys. As our office is a quarter mile inside the grounds, a visitor will typically see a few nude strollers or bicyclists in our front yard before encountering the clothes staff at the office. It seemed particularly weird when at our recent annual 5K run, 95% of the runners were nude, but our staff members were dressed when they gave out medals to the winners who were nude. In spite of the rather strange, to me, choice of most of the office staff to dress, Como finds that the vast majority of residents and members nude most of the time. Since we're a cooperative with 100-plus resident stakeholders, it's unlikely we'll change our orientation anytime soon. Still, even a few of our shareholders question whether we've become too clothing-optional. I drove by the Sunday horseshoe game, and out of a several dozen people playing, one woman was wearing shorts and one guy was wearing a t-shirt. It's hard to enforce mandatory nudity outside of the water. When our Florida residents get cold, if it's below 70 degrees, while our Canadian visitors will sunbathe nude when it's 50 degrees in the winter. <laughs> That's true. I certainly experienced that. I went to Hallover Beach one winter and it was... I was about 70 degrees and sunny. I thought it was wonderful. And uh, I went swimming and I enjoyed it, but I was alone on the beach while native Floridians were walking around with winter jackets on, it seemed. It's neat to get comments from people outside of Canada. I'm trying to make a podcast here and a show that's of interest, not just to Canadians, even though that's obviously where this show originates, but to the entire world. And, and it's, it's fun to be getting these comments. So please keep writing. Uh, and don't forget to send us a voicemail if you want to talk. That's even better. Again, there you go, 253-369-9383. The last two comments come from even further apart, and they're very brief. Uh, Jens Rasmussen writes to us from Denmark. He says, I listen to the show and I like it. I considered making a podcast in Danish, but there, we are only 5 million people. Our Naturist Association is about 1,000 members. If you would like to, cont to have contacts in Denmark, please contact me. Thank you, Jens. I really appreciate that. And uh, I will be in contact with you. Maybe we can have you on one of the shows telling us about what uh, naturism is like in Denmark. And from Germany, uh, and I apologize if I mispronounce your name. It says, I think it's Jochen. It says, hi there. I really love your podcast. It's really great, though I don't understand each and every word. French accent? I think I do have a slight French accent. Is the next episode already in progress? I can't wait for it. On my next trip to Canada, I'll visit your resort. Greetings from rainy Germany, Jochen. And again, my apologies if I'm mispronouncing your name. So it's great to see that we're getting listeners all over the world, and uh, please keep those comments coming. In our last show, I played the song Skin Free by the Naked Drummer and the Bailey's Road Band.
So today I will play one more of the songs which they very graciously gave me to play on the podcast. As usual, the link on where you can buy their CDs is on the show notes, so please support them by uh, ordering one of the uh, CDs. This, uh, this show's song is called I Got to Be a Nudist. When you read the uh, history of naturism, and uh, there's a great Canadian book called Au Naturel, The History of Nudism um, by James Wykey. Uh, he's, a, he's a history professor at the University uh, of Western Ontario who wrote this book, and he's not a naturist or a nudist at all. He was just interested in a topic. He needed an incredible amount of research going back to the beginning of the 20th century. And when you read the, the book... You see that in the very beginning, uh, not only were most clubs cooperatives, but they were non-landed. Um, it, it was uh, illegal in most cases, or to to have places where you could be nude. So people would be finding remote, out-of-the-way places, traveling in groups, and uh, trying to find their way there. And the tradition of non-landed clubs continues today. Uh, many of the uh, landed nature's clubs, like Bear Oaks, are well out of town because uh, land is far too expensive close to big cities. And so it takes uh, it takes some money to you have to have a car and you have to be able to travel, and not everybody can afford that. Uh, the non-landed clubs often uh, arrange activities. They arrange common transportation to the clubs that are landed, but also rent pools and arrange activities in the cities. So I thought I would explore that a little bit more by talking with Ron Scout, who is one of the founders of the Ontario Roaming Bears in Toronto, one of the largest and most successful non-landed clubs in Canada. 
What's a non-landed club and why do they exist? Non-landed clubs are generally those that don't have land. Many of the a landed club would be a property that somebody actually owns, generally pro, uh, private. And an unlanded club is somebody that uh, has a club, an organization. It could be a travel club or uh, one such as ours, which rents public swimming pools or other facilities that could also be private. And we use them for naturist activities. So you founded the Ontario Roaming Bears. Tell me about the club. What do they do? How long have they been around? Well, the club's been in existence for about uh, 18 years now. It was started with a nucleus of people down on the beach where we kept getting together and saying we need more than this beach because the beach is only good for about three months out of the year. And so we formed a nucleus of people and uh, put together a club. We had some home parties, if you want to call that, or home gatherings where we would just gather and watch a football game or a hockey game or something like that. And then that transpired into we need more than what we have, and we also wanted to uh, share what we had. So we came up with a mandate of what the Ontario Roaming Bears would be. The Ontario Roaming Bears in Toronto basically said that it had to be on the local transit route so that those people that were within the city could get to the various club functions by uh, local transit. In other words, you did not have to own a car. When we looked at the ramifications of of a landed club versus an unlanded club and why even have an unlanded club, a lot of it came around to the fact of you can't always afford to be part of a landed club. Landed club memberships uh, for annual memberships were extravagant for some people uh, that lived in the city as well as transportation to get to and from that landed club because Principally, they've been well outside of the city by about 30 minutes or more. And then the other side of the uh, landed club was also back when we were starting, 18, well, 15 years ago to 18 years ago, when all this was coming about, was that there was a general consensus that singles were not well-liked. and Or you could go to the club for three visits and then you had to become a member. And there's all kinds of rules uh, that were placed upon so many uh, people that we said we didn't want to have that. You could come for one visit or you could become uh, a member. And the membership fees were nominal, being about 30 to $40 a year. Then we came to a point where we were saying, well, for this membership, what are we giving our members? And the biggest cry was the fact that they needed a swimming pool. They wanted a place to go, and they wanted a place to go every month. Uh, and so Skippy, or Carmen Batchelor, who came to bat, and he went searching for pools. And it wasn't so much the search for a pool, it was the search for the correct kind of pool. Because we needed to have a pool that didn't have uh, large windows displayed to the public, the fact that there were people swimming in there nakedly. And so to find the pool was not the problem, as much as it was to find also the, how to say, the governing factor of the pool to allow us to go naked, if you could find one without windows. And for those that had the windows, could we tell them that we'll cover the windows if they allow us to use the pool? And Skippy actually did find one, and that was what set the Ontario Roaming Bears off to a great start. 
uh, we were there for a while. We took a look at the pool, and we decided that this pool wasn't really family-situated. It had a deep end, and its shallow end was like three feet. And so not too many kids aged five could really, you know, five or less could really be in there. So we started looking for other pools, and then Skippy found one uh, just in Vaughan or north of the Toronto, still on the TTC route, and that's been our principal uh, pool, which is the Dufferin-Clark pool, uh, for a good number of years. And it has everything from the diving board to the slide ride to the hot tub to, uh, to the children's uh, play area in the, in the pool, which is, what, a half foot deep or something like that? So it's ideal for families. And that's really what put the Ontario Roaming Bears on the map as far as a naturist club within Toronto. And again, anybody can get there. Uh, price for admission is uh, very reasonable, and the price for the TTC is very reasonable. Not only have we done just a regular swimming pool, yes, we've had the wave pool in Richmond Hill. Uh, we've done that, we do that uh, three times a year. But we've also done uh, naked bowling, we've done laser quest. Uh, we've rented uh, community centers for potluck uh, dinners and so on that, and we still have uh, movie nights uh, at uh, at people's uh, homes, primarily Skippy's because he has the big TV there. <laughs> so, not only the swimming, but uh, we're we're looking for other activities. But again, a lot of the times is if it's private, we have to sort of convince the private owner that what we're doing is legitimate, and they're not going to get in trouble with the law. And, uh, and or if it's the government people, it's uh, the number of uh, people they have to go through to get all of their approvals. So it gets to be a challenge at times, but it gets to be easier and easier as uh, naturism becomes uh, mainstream. We still hold true to the fact that all of our activities, or maybe I should say most of our activities, have to be on the public transit routes. If they're not, we do... Uh, par- carpooling to the best of our extent to get as many members there. Something that we do, because uh, between the landed clubs and the unlanded clubs, um, we found that a lot of times the Toronto Roaming Bears is also an introduction to the landed clubs nowadays, because we're welcomed at most of the land, landed clubs, if not all of them. I can't think of any that have refused us in oh, a good number of years. And we'll bring our people there for family days or uh, for some kind of scavenger hunts or something like that that we'll do at uh, at the landed clubs. And through that, uh, some of our members become dual members where they'll stay members with us at the Roaming Bears as well as they'll become uh, members at, uh, at the landed club because they just liked what they saw and they said, hey, I don't have a problem getting up here. I have transportation, so let's join both. And uh, so that's that's actually been a success, I think, as well. What advice would you have for uh, somebody or a group of people who want to start their own travel non-landed club and then probably want to rent a uh, city facility for a swim or something? If you're going to be starting a club, first of all, obviously you need a nucleus of people, and where you're going to obtain that would be, well, that's really up to up to you. In that sense, like I says, ours came from the beach because we just kept meeting at the same beach pretty much every weekend. Um, I'm sure that there are other venues or avenues where uh, people group together of like interests. Uh, once you've established that a mandate as to what you want to actually accomplish out of your uh, landed or your unlanded club, uh, what do you really want to offer as far as services go to your members? 
And then if those services are going to include such uh, like a pool, uh, the pools we rent are, are public pools. They're basically from Vaughan or from uh, Richmond Hill. They're all city pools. And we found that by going to the pool administrator first to find out whether or not they were accepting of our idea, if they came across as saying, yeah, I have no problem with, uh, with nudity in our pool and make sure that you raise the idea of children if children are going to be included. And if they again respond with a positive that, you know, sure, I have no problems with family. So I wouldn't necessarily say we have children, but as much as I would say we have family, which may include younger children um if they're enthusiastic about it they'll go to bat for you to get all the permissions that are required uh under the community bylaws if there are any and or some of them can just rent the pool themselves uh one of the things you have to be prepared for in a pool rental as i've said is window coverings because you cannot have access to the uh or the public can't see from outside that you're having a nude swim and so we've provided all of the window coverings at our expense, um, all except for the wave pool, which now have their own window coverings for other political reasons. Um, but uh, that would be uh, the biggest thing, is finding the person on side with what you're doing. When we were looking for a community center to have our potluck dinners, uh, that was, again, a bit of a challenge because we needed to find the coordinator at the uh, community center that said, sure, no problem. And then they could go back to whoever it was they needed to to say, yes, we can rent this to you, or no, we cannot. But getting the people on side is, is the biggest thing. Now, the Ontario Roaming Bears, you said uh, one of the reasons they were founded is a lot of clubs discriminate uh, against single, in one way, single individuals in one way or another. Um, what are the pros and cons? Do you think uh, that the clubs are wrong for discriminating or trying to maintain a gender balance? To say whether the clubs are right or to say that the clubs are wrong, it's always, in my humble opinion about that, it's nicer to have a gender balance. There are uh, unlanded clubs, or there is an unlanded club that caters uh, to the gay community, and they are a phenomenal club and uh, well-run, and they have a great membership. Uh, We try to cater towards the families as well as the uh, gender balance, and it's very, very difficult to find the uh, the gender balance in the unlanded club. We still can't put our finger on why. We figure that part of it might be the cost, because it's a low cost. We don't discriminate uh, or don't uh, say that you must bring a partner. And so a lot of men will come, they'll check it out, and they'll use the excuse that we're che- that they're checking it out for their family or their wife wouldn't uh, come or their significant other or their partner wouldn't come that time, but they're looking into it. And we find that there are also many, many men uh, in the naturist community that would have supporting wives in the sense that they don't care that their men or their partner goes uh, skinny dipping but uh, that they themselves don't want to join. So, I mean, if their partner wants to go off and go swimming, fine, uh, but that doesn't mean that they want to. And so it presents us a problem where we tend to have more men than we do more women. That brings another problem where when we do have the occasion to have uh, some women there, I'll say maybe five or six women, unless those women actually bond for whatever reason, they don't come back because their partners aren't there. 
and uh, for the few women that have partners, they're fine. They they keep coming back uh, all the time. But uh, generally speaking, uh, I don't think for a landed club the discrimination thing is all that wrong. But for the unlanded club, uh, if we had to rely on strictly uh, gender balance, I don't think we could afford the public pools. On the smaller scale, there is a uh, non-landed club in London, Ontario, called the Forest City Family Naturists. It's a great club, and in January of 2009, I had the opportunity to go and uh, visit with them and spend an evening at one of their events, and we had a fabulous time. And I interviewed a number of the members and organizers to find out more about their club. Okay, so we're here at the Forest City Naturist, uh, Forest City Family Naturist Swim in London, Ontario. And uh, what's your name? I'm George. And George, what do you do here? What do I do here? I love, look after the email and club communications. So, um, basically, I answer any emails from inquiries and talk to uh, people as a first contact. So, uh, the Forest, Forest City Family Naturist is a non-landed club. For the people who are, aren't familiar with the differences, can you explain what that means? Well, basically, we don't have any facilities uh, that we own. We come and uh, rent a pool here, and then uh, during the summer, we go and visit other uh, sites, or we go and have house parties. We don't have any facilities that we can, are permanent, though. And how, how old is this club? How did it get started? Oh, this club will be, it's about 12 years old. Yeah. Um, it started as a subset of the Toronto Roaming Bears and was the London Roaming Bears. Which, and then about 10 years ago, uh, they changed it over to Forest City Family Naturist to emphasize the family nature of the club. So who can join and how do they go about it? We uh, invite any couples or families to join. We... Uh, uh, generally don't uh, invite singles to come in uh, simply because we, we don't want to uh, destroy the uh, gender balance here. Well, you, there's a, it's pretty full as it is tonight. It looks it's like pretty, there's a... It's this pretty full. Tonight's a good night, but uh, this is probably only slightly above average. So I would say there's probably about uh, 30 people or so today? Yeah, about 30, I would say. We have, I think, on the membership rules, a little over 50. And uh, what are the you rent? What activities do you do? You rent the pool. How often? We rent the pool every uh, twice a month, and then uh, during the summer we usually have some potlucks out at some of the uh, the landed clubs. And as we did last night, we have house parties, and uh, we'll sometimes go to the beach at Port Burwell uh, during the summer. Not in this weather. <laughs> Tell me about Port Burwell. What, what is that? What kind of beach is that? That is a beach that's just uh, it's a privately owned beach that where nudity is allowed on. It's just past the limits of the uh, Port Burwell uh, Provincial Park. And it's privately owned, so is there a charge to get in? There's no charge to get in, but if you wanted to park in uh, the Provincial Park, then you have to pay to get into the Provincial Park. If you uh, can find yourself a way... Uh, Without having to drive in, then you can do it for free. But it's a long walk. <laughs> 
So we're here in the uh, sauna at the uh, Forest City Family Naturist. It's a lot quieter here. There's a, there's a pool, there's a sauna, there's a whirlpool. Everybody's having a grand time. And uh, what's your name? Anne. And Anne, how long have you been a member of the Forest City Family Naturist? I think about eight years, I believe. And what got you to join? What interested you in this? How did you get involved? Well, we used to go... Well, before this, we went to the resorts, and then we found out there was a club here, and our friends brought us here. And we really enjoyed coming in during the winter and having time to swim and feel free with no bathing suits. <laughs> so you've been a member for a while. What is it? What would you say is, is it about this club that's special that you that you really like? Uh, we're all very close. We're all become a, like one big family. We've all got to know each other, and we do things together. And we've really found some nice friends and. And besides the, uh, what do you participate? You come to the swims. What else do you do with the club? Well, we have house parties and we have potlucks, and in between we, you know, visit with the other families just on one to one and for family nights. And what about in the summer? Well, in the summer we always go to um, the beaches and to the different um, resorts and enjoy it. Sometimes we go as a big crowd. Sometimes it's only two or three families and. We always look forward to seeing everybody. So, George, if somebody's interested in joining the Forest City Family Naturist, how do they contact you? Well, the easiest way is to contact us on the web. It's www.fcn.ca slash fcfn. And then uh, once they're on the website, they can learn more about the club, and uh, how should they contact you? There is a, an email address right on the website. And you can uh, just activate from the uh, website and go directly to our email. And what information should they send you in that email? I'd like to know a little bit about them, what their experience is with naturism. And, uh, <laughs> Want to start again? <laughs> yeah, you can keep talking. Okay. Yeah, we'd like to know what they uh, do about, know about naturism, if they've been somewhere before, and what they uh, would like to get out of the club. Well, that's it for today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. As usual, remember, you can contact us at naturistliving at bearoaks.ca or you can leave a message, which I can play on air, at area code 253-369-9383. Also, if any of you use iTunes, please go into iTunes and give us a review, not just on the individual episodes, but on the entire show. Uh, the more reviews we get, the more uh, ratings we get, the higher we will show up in the search results. So please take a moment, go to your iTunes, find the show by searching for Naturist Living, and then just comment on the show and add some ratings for us. Thanks. This episode of the Naturist Living Show was brought to you by Bear Oaks Family Naturist Park. Traditional naturist values in a modern setting. Traditional values means that naturism is more than just taking your clothes off. It is a life philosophy with physical, psychological, environmental, social, and moral benefits. Bear Oaks Family Naturist Park strives to promote those naturist values in a modern setting that provides the amenities and services that our members and visitors expect. Free your body, free your mind. Learn more at www.bearoaks.ca.